beyond infinity. Piers Cunningham with you again on Beyond Infinity and I have in the studio with me Russell Joseph who is a retired builder and construction manager, um, also was the uh, Liberal candidate for the state seat of Nepean, unfortunately didn't make it over the line in the last state election uh, in 2018 and also his colleague Alana Jones who is doing community engagement for a project called the Hinterland Environmental Water Scheme which is an idea at this stage to harness a lot of this uh, Class A um, treated effluent that goes out at the Gunnamatta outfall at Bogues Rocks. And I think it's in the order of 350 million litres of discharge every day from that one outlet alone. So great to have Russell and Alana in the studio to talk about this project because I suppose the thing that sort of caught my attention was that, you know, that's a huge amount of treated water to be just sending out into the ocean some of it's already being used i believe on golf courses and that sort of thing where there's sandy soils but more could be done with it and it could have a real positive benefit for farming and agriculture in the hinterland on the mornington peninsula so welcome you guys russell maybe could you could you just sort of outline the project because i think this was your baby this was your brainchild to start with yeah look fundamentally it was started from a discussion down at merrick's creek or at Balnearing Beach in the reduction of flows in the Merricks Creek. And the anecdotal theory was that there were too many dams in the hinterland and stopping all the water flow, so we need to fix all this. So that started my thinking, and I thought, well, I know where there's literally a river of water running out every day into the ocean, uh, which is underground, and that was the southeastern outfall. Mm-hmm. So it goes from the Carum treatment plant um, and runs through the peninsula picks up water from Craigie Road and Bonio, and then out through a place called Bogues Rocks, which is between St Andrews Beach and Gunnamatta. Yeah. So you were right, 350 million litres on average every day goes out there. And I thought, well, gee, if we can get some of that water up into the hinterland and flowing into the creeks, then that'll solve the problem. Mm. Um, at the same time, we might as well give some to farmers and, you know, help them grow things. So that was where it sort of started from, and then from there it's uh, developed and evolved into you know a, a quite a scientific and technical water scheme, which has a whole range of benefits right across the peninsula. And you also did get some funding recently to sort of pursue this the business case for, for this project. We have a commitment for funding from the federal government. Okay. Uh, Greg Hunt committed $300,000 during the last election campaign mm-hmm. uh, to go towards a feasibility and design study of the scheme. So that uh, money is, is there, it's committed. We're looking to get matching funds now from state government and maybe local government, any other benefactors, philanthropists, investors as well. And this will fund what we believe is probably a you know million-dollar feasibility and design study. We've done a back-of-the-envelope, if you like, report, which is 30-odd pages of where we see the scheme and how we think it'll work. Yep. But we need to put some you know a bit more engineering science into it and, yep. and to prove it and these things cost money yeah so that once the feasibility is done then it can allow us to then seek funding to actually build the project yeah let's run through a little bit of what this involves so you're going to tap into the existing class a outfall that goes to uh, gonna matter yep where are you going to tap into that and then what's going to happen to the water once you've tapped into that pipeline at the, at the moment the plan is to tap in down at dramana so the Southeast outfall easement 
runs through Germana near the industrial estate, and in fact on Collins Road. Right. So there's already a I think a four hectare Melbourne water easement there. We would plan to take the water from that point, treat it through reverse osmosis, and then pump it up the hill to Arthur Seat Road, and from there gravity should do the rest of the work to distribute it right across the the hinterland and, and via via sort of network of pipelines correct that, that would be yep. it would be part of this project would be to install those that's right yep. yeah that's that's the infrastructure side of it yep. um how do you pump it up is that solar powered uh, uh solar as much as we can yep. yeah there's a few options being bandied around at the moment but at the end of the day it'll be electric pumps okay yep so then from, from once it gets up to the top of Arthur's seat, it's just relying on gravity to, to distribute it. To Mostly that's right. There'll be some to. distribution network and, and pumping system, no doubt, required. But again, this is a bit more technical than what we've done on our study at the moment. But part of that will go into the design and feasibility. Yep. But basically, we're taking it to a height of 240 metres. And from there, there'll be enough pressure to get it pretty much wherever you want it to go. And when you say wherever you want it to go, what are what's the what area you're actually talking about? You know, well, what, what's through, the, through the, the rough boundary the, of it? Through the hinterland, you know, you know, Shore and Flinders area, okay. uh, Merricks, and then in fact all through the Muraduck Plain as well. Right. Okay. So quite a big area. Yep. Now you've got a draft proposal for this project. Yep. Is that available publicly or is this not not at this stage? Look it is. We've distributed fairly widely, but we've haven't given it to everybody but if anybody asks for it we're more than happy to give it to them okay so what's the best way to contact you if people are interested to get that probably if they just emailed me or telephone me that's fine and i'm happy to uh happy to send them a copy do you want to let us know what those details are yeah well my email is russell joseph 3936 so that's russell with two s's and two l's joseph 3936 at gmail.com okay is the easiest way and uh, i'm happy to send them a copy all right, so this would be a way for interested parties to get hold of the Hinterland Environmental Water Scheme, H-E-W-S, which is what we're talking about today on Beyond Infinity. It really does sound like a great way of, of getting some extra value out of this water that otherwise winds up in the ocean. You know, I wanted to get a bit more detail about how it's going to assist farmers and the agricultural sector also the effect on green wedge by mm. by taking pressure off that i guess and also you know that the question of you know if this water is going through reverse osmosis my understanding of that process it makes it drinkable it makes it actually potable water mm. do you want to address those those issues i'll address the potable water first yeah the the notion of the water is not to actually fill up water tanks for drinking water mm. it's not to replace a reticulated water supply mm-hmm. for domestic use mm. it is actually designed predominantly for agriculture yep um, there's a range of other benefits and alana will speak to those in a second but mm. it's predominantly it is an environmental water scheme uh, to assist the green wedge to stay green so as i've been saying for the last couple of years if you want to keep the green wedge green water it or take the pressure off it by reducing the, the, the dependency from existing farmers and agricultural businesses. That's right. Yep. So if you've got, if you've got a, a water supply there that can keep dams full, then it takes pressure off uh, creeks and streams when it rains because, okay, as I said earlier with Merrick's Creek, the creek has water flow. Yep. So you're reducing the impacts of farming on the environmental water flow as much as possible. So there's benefits there, but uh, Alana's probably got a few other things that she can throw in there. Yeah, sure. And I guess from my perspective of understanding the community, we've got 
you know, a good knowledge that people care about the water as a resource and, and with it going to the outfall and not being, I guess, repurposed, that's what this scheme is all about at, at a high level. Obviously, the benefits are to the horticultural industry, which flows through to the community. Fruit and veggies, things that we don't grow now, we can grow in the future. And, you know, that sort of affects the food miles as well. We can eat more locally. There's also other benefits we've outlined in our report in terms of um, jobs and industry benefits, investment in local infrastructure. We've also talked about the the fire capabilities. So being able to provide a water source for firefighting during bushfire season. Yep. So firefighters and firefighting infrastructure could hook directly into this. So the pipeline that you're talking yep. about that being distributing from the top of Arthur's seat or thereabouts, that could actually be tapped into by firefighters rather than them needing to p- try to draw water out of uh, out of existing dams that may already be mm. uh, low at that time of year. That's right. And the point is with the scheme is to ensure that the hinterland dams are actually full of water all the time. So during summer when the fire season is at its peak, a ready-made supply of water would be good. We could even install tanks up there, which has always been mooted by the CFA. And the fire prevention side of it or fire support side of it has been something that's been really strongly supported by the Mornington Potential Shire as well Mm. as part of their emergency management procedures. Yep. Yep. The other uh, point which uh, Alana alluded to when we talk about industry is that this basic infrastructure of water gives us an opportunity on the Mornington Peninsula to create a green wedge compatible industry rather than something that isn't green wedge compatible and I think this is a really important notion for the broader community as well. Can you elaborate on that? So it's a way of ensuring that those green wedge areas aren't eroded into or aren't used for different purposes? That's right. Well it ensures that the farmland which is some of the best farmland in the state actually remains viable and productive and that it, there is no incentive to create housing developments and all this sort of thing. Right. So we can we can keep the green wedge as green wedge agricultural land as it was intended. Yep. And the industry is a horticultural industry, and you you start to create an industry that doesn't exist, and and one that can be there for a hundred years. Yep. In your hinterland environmental water scheme documentation this report which you've put out already and i'd urge uh, listeners to check this out and you can contact russell and get a copy of it of the draft you list environmental benefits food security we've talked a little bit about that mm-hmm. the, the distance between the, the shorter distance between place of production and and distribution and also i guess the benefits the the, the more intensive farming that's made possible by that better water supply climate change how does how does it impact climate change or well, it's responding to climate it's, change. It's I responding guess. Yeah. to it. So yeah. you're basically drought proofing your farming areas. Yeah. Uh, bushfire protection, we've talked about. Greenwich zone pr- uh, preservation, we've talked about. TAFE training, future careers in horticulture. Fantastic. There's already TAFE on the peninsula. That's right. So those sort of courses would be um, enhanced. Regional economic development is, a, is a, a, a clear one, just that that more efficient use of, of land for agriculture, energy neutrality. Can you explain what you mean by that? Well, the option of trying to power as much of it through solar as we can would yep. be good. Yep. Because we're also pumping water uphill, there's a potential, and obviously this needs a fair bit of uh, technical design work, but there's also a potential to say, well, if we're pumping water uphill, then we've got an opportunity to let water run downhill. And by running water downhill, you can create a, a pumped hydro system. Mm. So that would be another spin-off. Yeah, Turn exactly. it into a power-generating uh, so, operation. You know, there's a lot of discussion around that at the moment. 
we don't want to have the the hinterland environmental water scheme as such shifted too much on the thought of a pumped hydro but there are options there that we're actively looking at at the moment with a few different stakeholders so that just adds into it uh to go back to the tafe training yeah one of the things that we really want to do and we're keen to do this as quickly as possible and if there are any benefactors who have land or funds who would like to help get this moving and that is to create trial sites um, we're looking at perhaps doing a trial site at the Briars, which is Shiron land uh, there's also some other sites around that we're considering in Dramana and also over in Summers or on that side and the trial sites are really important because what we can do then is to test the crops that we believe are going to return the most value to farmers. So what we can do then is bring some, a property owner down, show them, if you like, you know, the showroom of the available crops. These are the sort of yields that you can expect. This is actually the business case. This is what it will cost to put these crops in. This is what the water will cost. This is your expected return. Mm. And this is something which is extremely important because rather than just saying, we'll build a pipeline with some water and if you want to use it, take it. No, we, we want to be able to provide a proper business case so that this becomes a very viable, economically viable scheme you know, for a long, long time. Yeah, and that'll encourage support, encourage the kind of investment that you're looking for. It does, that's yep. right. And you, know, you might have seen on our the back of our report, it's really just on one page, but if you look at the economic benefit or difference differential between cattle farming and avocado farming it's really comes down to about a factor of 10 so a cattle farm six to nine hundred dollars per hectare net profit per year and barely enough for most cattle farmers up there to pay their rates mm. uh, avocados which is a proven crop up there six to nine thousand dollars mm. per hectare net profit per year so immediately there's a transformative economic argument by a factor of 10 mm. which can start to drive the demand to use the water. And these are the sort of things that the water authorities who make this water are very, very interested in. What other crops apart from avocados? Um, citrus is worth looking at. There's a range of things. Uh, Wine, I think I, I read in your report, it's not particularly water intensive anyway. Uh, at certain times of the year, it's establishing the vineyard is, but there's now a lot of established vineyards anyway. That's right. So, so um, viticulture is not a high user of water. So they, they're not sort of going to direct, they're not crucial to um, to supporting this scheme in terms of the, the support from... Not predominantly, although what we found last season, and Alana might have a bit more comment on this, but um, it was quite dry. Oh, very and, dry, yeah. Okay, so there are so there are years where they could use this kind of The vineyards yep. had, had then approached us to see how far down the track we were. Mm. Right. Thanks for listening. We'd love you to review us on iTunes. It's a great way to let others know if you've liked our podcast. And don't forget to follow us on social media, Beyond Infinity RPPFM on Facebook or Infinity RPP on Twitter.